Thank you for worshiping. Good to be back and um, got to take a little time last week. Uh, somebody asked how our vacation was. We, it wasn't vacation. We were at church. Um, but it's always good to be back, back home. And um, uh, I want to get right to the point this morning. Uh, this is, uh, I'll, I'll, I wouldn't say you need to buckle up. It's nothing really bumpy this morning. But um, after, after 21 days of fasting and prayer, I, I hope you joined us in that. And if you didn't, man, you can, you can start again right now. There's no religiosity in that or legalism that you have to do it at a set time or any of this stuff. But I just believe that God has uh, prepped, uh, I know for me, things that he showed me through his word and things that have become more clear. And, and I hope that that is what you've experienced as well or that you've experienced some change as you've focused on him during this time. And uh, before I even launch into this, um, as we were singing, uh, Galatians chapter 3 kept coming to mind. And, and I don't know who this is for this morning, and I, I have I've never declared or, or said that I'm a prophet, but I know that there are times where I wrestle with, okay, God, is this for me? Or is this for somebody? Or is this for everybody? And, and I believe that there's more than just one or two here this morning. So this is what I want you to know before we even get started. Uh, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul is speaking to the church at Galatia. And they're a church that has believed. And then he comes back to them and he says this interesting thing. Foolish Galatians. That's not a good way to start, right? <laughs> Foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth. Okay? Now, if we believe God is God, if we believe He has saved us, if we believe He has given us His Word, why would we allow things to... And and that Word is so powerful. Don't skip over that Word. Somebody has bewitched you. Somebody has spoken words. Somebody has tried to trick you. Somebody has tried to con you. Somebody has tried to magically deviate you from obeying the truth. I'm so thankful he doesn't say the law or religion, but the truth. And you need to know the truth because the truth that you know and the truth that you walk out will set you free. Just knowing the truth never sets you free. Knowing the truth and doing the truth, obeying the truth. Don't be foolish like the Galatians that just read the word and then they got bewitched by somebody saying, oh, Okay, I'm glad God did this. Now we kind of go back to our old ways. And that's what I hope doesn't happen after this 21 days. Did you know that you don't have to go back to the mess? You've just taken three weeks to focus on him and rearrange your life and some of your habits. And you don't need to insert. Some of you, just listen close. Maybe this is the only part you need to hear. You don't need to insert some of that mess back into your life that you stopped. Some of you, you need to continue the pattern of reading or devotion that you started this 21 days and not fall back into the slump of your old life, okay? So we good? 
All right, let's dismiss. You know that's not true. You know I couldn't, I couldn't uh, be that short. We're going to actually be in Colossians this morning. And, and the big question as we get ready to start this is, are you serious? Now, we use this phrase in, in various ways. Uh, somebody uh, says something to us jokingly, and, and we think, no, you know, what they just said, it can't be true. And so we say, are you serious? Right? Or we hear bad news. And we say, we want to make sure somebody's not pulling our... Are you serious? And I'm going to stray from my normal this morning, and, and, and it's probably going to, hopefully doesn't mess you up this morning, but as I was reading this in the message version, it made it so much more poignant, so much more gripping this morning. And so I, I want to start in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And this is from the message, so if it looks different than the Bible you're using, unless you're using the message, that's why. But notice... Paul is speaking to the church at Colossae, and here's what he says. So if you're serious about having this new resurrection life with Christ, notice what he says. If you're serious, okay, Christ is serious, Paul is serious, the question is, are you serious about this new life that he has said that you can have? Are you serious this morning? Or are you just playing around? Okay? Are you serious about pursuing Christ like you have for the last 21 days? Are you serious about giving up the stuff you said you were going to give up? Are you serious about how you're praying about stuff that you want new power and fresh anointing and that you want to see the fullness of God in your life? And I don't know if you prayed that. I hope that you did. Because if you aren't serious, there's going to be a disconnect. And... And, and if you're that spot, no guilt this morning, because guess what? You're human. Jesus, all the way back through all the prophets, dealt with this. They would say something crazy like this. Uh, These people are close to me with their lips and far from me in their heart, which means they weren't serious. It's easy. I mean, you've seen this, right? Somebody said, hey, uh, I'm going to go to the gym every day this week. And then you get up in the morning, they're still in bed, and you say, they, I thought you were going to the gym. Yeah, but it's raining, it was cold, I didn't sleep well, I didn't. And you're like, okay, you get a pass. The next day, man, the sun was out, and it was bright, and it was just, it was too good a day to go to the gym. And we continue on, and we continue on, and this is what we would call resolutions. This is what we'd call our own plans, and the problem is that we're usually not serious. We do want the results, but we're not serious enough to actually make the changes, and that's what Paul is trying to get to the heart of right here. If you're serious about the resurrection life, Christ has taken care of the difficult part, removing your sin and giving you the opportunity to come to Him and live a new life, but you have to take it serious. You have to be as dedicated to it. This is what he says. If you want to have this new resurrection life, that means something died, that's the old life, then do what? Pursue the things over which Christ 
presides. Your version may say over the things that Christ or, or the things in heaven, not on earth. Notice what he's saying. You've got your focus in the wrong spot. You want to pursue these things? Pursue the things about Christ. Now, right there, that's enough to do a whole month of Sundays because that's part of our issue. We tend to pursue the stuff about us. And yet here he is saying, you want to be serious about something? You pursue the things that are about Christ, that are involved in Christ, that are pointed at Christ. The problem is that that means that you've got to be second, and we've got to understand that as Christians, we have inherited an other's first kingdom. And Christ has to be first, and then others, and then maybe me. But that's tough because that means we have to turn our own kingdoms on their head. Let's move on. He says, pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along with your eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. Now, right there is just some very practical things, right? Notice what he says. He's, he's giving you an image of we just kind of walk through our lives like, I don't know how I got here. I don't know why I ended up this way. I don't know how I made those decisions. I don't know what happened to my job. I don't know what happened to my marriage. I don't know why my kids don't like me. I don't know what happened to that money. That's the shuffling around, looking at the ground. You're not even paying attention to the rise into the future. And he said, don't do that. Look up. Get your eyes off you. Get your eyes off your stuff. Look at that. Look up and be alert to what is going on around who? Notice he didn't say, hey, be alert to what's going on around you. Be alert to what's going on around Christ. And can I tell you the secret this morning? Christ is in you. If you are saved this morning, Christ is in you. Look at what Christ is doing. I love this. That's where the action is. Most of us fall into these patterns not because we're not disciplined enough, but we are spiritually bored. And when we're bored, we do things that we normally wouldn't do. And I shared that a couple weeks ago. I'm one of those people that I can tell when I'm bored because I start grazing through the house. I start grazing through the channels. Nothing really looks good. Nothing really tastes good. But I'm just going to, I'm in a state of uh, discontentment. And so let's go back to the refrigerator again. Nope, the fridge fairies didn't put anything good in there. Let's try the pantry. Nope, the pantry fairies didn't put anything different in there either. Hmm, maybe I'll try in another 10 minutes and see if that has changed. And it's never going to satisfy. It's never going to... And then we find ourselves, you know, half an hour later, you give in, and you're sitting watching I Love Lucy reruns, eating a stale bag of Doritos. Are you hungry? Nope, just bored. You know how the episode ends. You know how that bag is going to end. You know everything that's how it's going to go. And the reality is there's no action in that. You are bored out of your mind. You are bored spiritually. But you want to have some action, get to where Christ is. That's where the action thinks is. And then see things from his perspective. What could you be doing in him? Who could you be reaching in him? How could you be praying in him? How would you be praising in him? And that'll change everything. And you may say, I, I don't know. Great, find out. 
The Bible is full of that great information. Even if you can't find it, you can Google it. But if you're serious, we've got to look above ourselves, look above our circumstances, look above our problems, and let's see what Christ is doing because he did what God wanted him to do. Now we're going to jump down the page just a little bit and pick ourselves up in in verse 10. That was the, the preface of this, is that if you're really serious then there's going to be some, some changes that need to be made. You're going to have to change your perspective. You're going to have to change some stuff. And, and here's what he would say. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. And he, the, the earlier translations would say, you need to put on and to put off. Put on and put off. Put on the new man. Put off the old man. Put off these things. Put on these things. And, but look at how he expresses this. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Look at that. There's something different. And we're not talking, this is not a license to go buy new clothes. You know we're not talking about that this morning. Every item of your new way of life has been custom made by the Creator with His label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. The way you used to act, the way you used to talk, the way you used to think, the way you used to hoard, the way you used to have the addictions, the way you used to be impatient, the way that you used to run off with the mouth, all of those things, that's the old fashion that doesn't belong to you anymore. I've given you a new wardrobe, and those things aren't included. And it's available to you if you're serious. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about this, about if you want Something new, you got to prepare a new wineskin. You remember that? I know it was two whole weeks ago. But if you want to change, and if you're serious, you've got to prepare something new. And Christ even said, I've given you a new wardrobe, but you still have to put it on. I'll give you a new way of thinking, but you still got to put it on. I'll give you a new way of, of seeing the world, but you still got to put it on. I'll give you a new set of attitudes, but you still have to put it on. It, or you can just let it hang in your closet. It's there, it's been provided for, but you're not serious. And I hope that you're serious this morning. And, and believe me, I'm not talking about quitting your job, and becoming full-time, just reading His Word. That's not what He wants us to do. But what He is saying is, you want to see the changes that I've provided for you? You better take it serious. It's time to change out of that old way of thinking, that old way of living, and get something new on. The old fashions are now obsolete. Verses 12 and 13, look what He says. So, chosen by God for this new life of Love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Here's what he says that it should look like. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength. And that last one that we all hate, discipline. And that doesn't mean a spanking. (laughs) Now, all of you are mature this morning. I believe we've got a really smart crowd here this morning. And that is some of the issue. We know exactly what he means by discipline, and we hate it. Because we hate living disciplined lives. We're okay for a couple, three days, and then our true nature kicks in. 
But can I tell you that Christ has said he can change your true nature into something so much more? He doesn't warp your personality. He doesn't twist you into something bad. But he'll take your natural tendency and say, you know what? I think we can turn that into good. We can take what the devil would use for bad, and I can use it for good if you'll just change your wardrobe, so to speak. What's going to cover you? What's addressing you? What is driving you? And he uses these phrases like it's a wardrobe, like what we put on would change it. And I think we get that, right? You've got your dress-up, go-out clothes. And you've got your, I'm going to be working and don't want the nice stuff to get dirty clothes. And you've got the, I'm sitting on the couch all day clothes. And you've got the, hey, I've got to meet an important client clothes. And We've got all those, and isn't it interesting that we choose those, and you don't wear the I'm meeting an important client clothes that looks like pajamas. Because you somehow know that how he views you and what you're wearing or not wearing is going to have an impact on them. Now, I'm the first one to say there was a time in the church where we made this a big deal and we talked about dress code like somehow that made you holy. I'm telling you right here flat-footed, it's only what's happening on the inside that makes you holy. You dress up in your suit, tie, and comb your hair if you've got it and trim your ear hairs if you've got it. Uh, all that stuff, and it doesn't make you one more bit religious or holy or any of that. It just makes you uncomfortable. I hate wearing those things. It feels like somebody's hanging you the whole day. Women, gosh, I feel for you. Man, you jam your feet into those things that are shaped like a hard arrow. I mean, I've never seen a woman's foot that looks like that. And then you're going to walk on your tiptoes all day long. No wonder you're cranky and grumpy. Your calves and your feet are killing you. But I digress. We all do this. It's not a bad thing. It's just a natural thing that our eyes take in and we make a judgment, whether good or bad. Again, not, not so much about the person, but you think about that. You know what I'm saying? If you were supposed to be meeting a real estate agent on your new house and some dude pulled up uh, on his 10-speed bike wearing a tank top, uh, some flip-flops and board shorts and says, dude, I'm your realtor. Now, depending on where you live in California, that might be the norm. But somehow, I think I might not take that guy so serious. Now, let's ramp it up. Is that the guy you want managing your money? And even the speech pattern. Now, again... I understand we fall into speech patterns, and, and I'm not telling you to judge people, but think about it. If you're talking to somebody, and every other word is, dude, oh, dude, we can take care of your money, dude. I got a thing here. We can just do it. And you're thinking, I do. You know, somehow I just trust this guy. He seems to know what he's doing. Here's all of my money. Invest it, dude. <laughs> now, maybe you're that person. <laughs> But do you see what he's saying? 
You've been given a brand new life. All that mess that led up to where you are before you met Christ, we can put that wardrobe away. It shouldn't fit you anymore. The problem is it is comfortable, and you know it's there. But he's saying we need to delete that wardrobe. If you're serious... He'll help us with this. So what should the new wardrobe look like if we're going to live this new life? Compassionate, bound by love, kind, humility, quiet strength, people that are disciplined. Verse 13, be, man, this is tough, even-tempered. Right? It doesn't mean you don't get riled up. It just means you're not going to choke somebody. And it also means you're not going to go the next step, which, which just ruins your testimony when you ball up your fist and you say something like, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd... Well, you already thought it. And then you were stupid enough to say it. I would love for somebody to say that and, and they say, you'd what? I would just bless you. Be even-tempered. Another thing that's hard for us as Americans, content with second place. Remember I said we have inherited a kingdom that is others first? We struggle with that, people. We struggle with that. Can you be content with second place? Can you be quick to forgive an offense? This is a new wardrobe. This is a new lifestyle. Can you forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you? And some of these new clothes, they may feel different than, than the ones you're used to wearing, but guess what? They're going to give you new access. They're going to give you new perspective. They're going to give you new opportunities if you're serious to wear it. And the hardest part about this wardrobe, everybody, just so I can be very clear, you know it's an internal wardrobe. It is not the outside. Because when compassion takes heart in here, your actions will change. When discipline starts on the inside, your life will begin to change. When we learn how to forgive, our relationships will change. But it's about making that conscious choice just like you do. Because every day you go to your spiritual wardrobe and there's the old wardrobe and there's the new wardrobe and you've got to decide what am I going to wear. The new life or the old life. And sometimes we choose wrong. And every one of us is capable of having a season where we start wearing the old clothes again. But I'm also here to tell you that Christ paid the price that you don't have to. It's still a choice. And if you're serious, how about this, Lord? What should I put on today? I think you should choose from that side. (laughs) Yeah, but I know what to expect. And these, I know exactly how these fit. I mean, Let's be honest. There are clothes you just like to wear because of how they fit, right? And it didn't matter how much it cost. You just like how they fit.
But he says, I've got some new stuff that are ready for you, and it's time to get rid of that stuff. It's now obsolete. Verse 14. He starts to ramp this up a little bit because, again, we're talking about people that are serious. Look what he says. Regardless of of what else you put on, if if you make a, a bad choice today, make sure you put on love. That should be your outer coat. No matter what you've got on the inside, if you can put on love, it's going to guide you. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Think about that for just a minute. It's the really nice-feeling sweats you like to put on. It's your basic all-purpose garment. There's nothing that you can encounter that love can't help you get through, good or bad. In fact, he says, never be without it. it it's kind of like, without getting graphic, it's kind of like underwear. Did you ever have one of your parents uh, if, when you were young and you were beginning to drive? And I had one of those weird moms that would say weird stuff. And when I'd go out there and drive, she'd say, make sure you've got on clean underwear. Now, after working in the medical field for many, many years, When I run up to a car crash, I don't check the person's underwear. I'm just telling you, I don't check the person's underwear. Although that would make a funny scene, wouldn't it? Quick, get the jaws of life. Let's check his underwear. Oh, thank God he's got clean underwear on. Too bad he's decapitated. And just a word to the wise, if it's a bad enough accident, no matter if you had clean underwear on or not, they may not be clean when they get to you. But I digress. Love should be the thing that just becomes what we wear and we choose every day. It's the base layer. If you're an outdoorsman, you understand base layers, that that's the thing you don't take off. You may take off your outer. You may come down from your rainproof stuff to your fleece to whatever, but you don't take off the base layer. And for us as Christians, the base layer is love. Let the peace of God keep you in tune with each other. I love that, how he says that in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. That's hard on us as human beings, going off and doing our own thing. We, we tend to want to do that. Thanks, God, for all that great stuff you did. I, I can do that for a while. Now I'm off to do my own thing. And then he switches gears for a second. He uses like a planting term. He says, I want you to cultivate thankfulness. It means I have to actually work at it. It doesn't just pop up. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for the new wardrobe. I'm thankful that you're going to help me be serious with my faith. I'm, I'm thankful that you're helping me be in tune with other people. I'm so tired of the arguments and the drama and the tension and, and the worry. And I want to be in tune. I want to be in step, first of all, with you and then with the people around me. I want this type of life. Are you serious about that? Cultivate some thankfulness. Verse 16, 
Let the word of Christ or the word of God, this message, have the run of the house. Think about that for just a minute, church. Does your spiritual nature stop when you leave this place and then when you get home, you've got a whole different lifestyle, a whole different set of rules, and God's word doesn't run your life or your house? Let the Word of God be the house rules. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. Thank God. I mean, it, common sense is so uncommon today, isn't it? But God's Word is the common sense. Read through Proverbs sometime. It just is a, a plethora. It's just an encyclopedia of how to live in a relationship with others practically. But if we don't have it in us, if that word of God is not dwelling in us, then it's impossible to bring it back out and to put it into play. And he said you have to let it. Think about that. You can decide not to let it. But whoever you are this morning that you're arguing with this, you're resisting this, just understand I'm not with you to make decisions for you. You probably don't have a life planner walking with you, and when you're going along about to do something stupid, they say, hey, Bob, I wouldn't do that if I was you. The Word of God should guide and direct us, and we should give it plenty of room. We should help other people, giving them good common sense from the Bible, not worldly sense. And next, next part, again, in community with each other. And then sing, sing, sing your hearts out to God. That's part of cultivating thankfulness. God, we're so thankful for what you're doing. God, we praise your mighty name. We sing, sing, sing. Now, notice he doesn't say, be excellent at singing, or most of us would be cut out. Right? I mean, come on, you hear what I hear Sunday, right? I'm thankful for our worship team. I'm thankful for God blessing voices that sound much better than mine that sounds like a strangled crow. But I can still sing. I can still worship. You can still sing. You should still worship. And we should do it. Sing, sing, sing. Not just here, but wherever you are, we should sing to the Lord. And praise his holy name. Now he cranks it up again. Let every detail in your lives, your words, your actions, whatever it is, they should be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Now your Bible probably says, let all that you do in words and in deed be done as if you're doing it for the Lord. Now think about that. When we engage in stuff that's unhealthy, unbiblical, we know it's sinful, we know where it's going to lead, we should say, whoa. But I'm also here to tell you that as human beings, we're wired weird, and sometimes those wires come loose. (laughs) And what we do doesn't make any sense. What we do seems to go against everything that we've said that we've believed in every way that we've lived. And I, and I get that, and that's where the grace of God comes in, that if we confess it, he takes care of it so that we don't get bound by guilt or try to fall back on some law or legalistic action. 
But I am saying this, if we're serious, we'll allow him to take up more and more of our life, not less and less. Your best days with Christ should be ahead of you, not behind you. Oh, that I remember back in the good old days, there is more ahead for us. There is an eternity ahead of us. And if you keep looking back, you're missing what he's provided for you. Those days aren't coming back. What about the better days? What about the new things? What about what he wants to do in the future? We should be thanking God for every step that we take. Some of it is hard. Some of it is what's teaching us discipline because there's times where we get out of discipline. We end up with a bunch of mess, and he's like, hey, we talked about this. Hey, my word describes this. You've got to learn to obey. Remember how I opened this up? Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you not to obey the truth? And maybe that's where you need to get this morning is just to agree with God that His way is the best way. That's the big wrestling match. His way is the best way. His way that says how to treat your spouse is the best way. His way that says how to raise your kids is the best way. His way to deal with bondages and addictions and deliverance and all that mess we deal with, His way is the best way. But when we argue, we're fighting over the wardrobe. I still like this. Give up the old wardrobe and let him clothe you in love and kindness and goodness and compassion and self-discipline. Your life will be better. You're not going to miss anything. Somehow the enemy lies to us. Like if we actually do this, if I actually go all in, I'm going to miss something. And I'm telling you, you will. You're going to miss heartache, and you're going to miss shame, and you're going to miss wasted years, and you're going to miss the destroyed relationships, and you're going to miss all the tears that you cried. You're going to miss all the drama of your life. You're going to miss all the mess that leads you to no place but a dead end, either to jail or back to a bondage or back to that bad relationship, back to the excuses that lead you to nowhere. You're going to miss all that. Isn't that what you want? (laughs) That's what I want. (laughs) I know what my life looked like when I was in control. And the problem was I was blaming everybody else while I was driving. And I've said it once, I'm going to keep saying it. Some of you this morning, it's time for a change of clothes because of this. You know when you choose that path, you know exactly where it leads to. And that road is a dead end every time. It only leads to separation. It only leads to heartache. It only leads to death. It only leads to darkness. It never leads to freedom. It never leads to hope. It never leads to the things of God. It always leads you right back to that cul-de-sac, and you're stuck. So stop taking that road. It's like the guy that every day at work he complained about his lunch, his buddies would be saying, oh man, look at this, I got a 
an incredible club sandwich today. Man, this is great. And the next guy says, yeah, look it. This is what I got. I got a nice, juicy hamburger. It's nice. And the third guy's like, ah, oh, tuna fish. Again, every day it's tuna fish, tuna fish, tuna fish. And his buddy said, well, why don't you talk to your wife about changing up from tuna fish? Wife, I make my own lunch. Let that sink in for just a minute. Who's to blame for where you're at right now? You made that lunch. You made that decision. And if you can come to grips with that, if you can be serious this morning and say, you know what, I made that choice. I'm not going to blame anymore. I'm not saying it's my parents. Yes, you may have run with the wrong crowd, but guess what? You made that decision. You hung out with those friends. You snorted those drugs. You drove while you were drunk. You left your wife. You, you did it. You made that tuna fish sandwich again and again and again. But today can be the day, if you're serious, that you can have it new. And it doesn't have to continue. That's the wonder of the gospel. All things can be made new. Not just a better 2.0 tuna fish sandwich. Oh, I use better tuna. I'm not talking about that. It's time to stop that mess and put on a new wardrobe.